about to hear an anointed, powerful word that will change your life from Treasure Coast Victory Center. Be blessed as your faith goes from one level of glory to another level of glory. Go to Isaiah chapter 43 tonight. Father, we just thank you for what we've even heard tonight. We thank you for the way you're moving, not only in the financial realm, the healing realm, every single area of our lives. Father, as we grow more and more in faith through your word and we stand in the authority that you've given us along with the power to back it up, we thank you that things in our life are going to change and the things around us and the things of our relation. We thank you, Lord, for what you're doing right now in this place, the lives you are touching, the people you are changing. We thank you tonight for more revelation in your word about the name of Jesus. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. Okay, Isaiah chapter 43. But now this says the Lord that created thee, O Jacob, and he that formed thee, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed thee. I have called thee by name, thou art mine. When thou pass through the waters, I will be with you, and through the rivers, you shall not overflow you. And when you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, neither shall the flame kindle upon you. For I am the Lord thy God, the Holy One of Israel, thy Savior, I gave Egypt for thy ransom, Ethiopia, and Sabah for thee. Hallelujah. One of the things that you're going to have to do if you're going to walk in the authority and the power of God is when you read the Word of God, you must decide who the Word is talking to. It is written to the believer, but then you have to decide whether you are a believer or whether you're not a believer. You have to allow the Word of God to be the foremost authority in your life. Notice what it says here. If you go through the fire, you shall not be burned. He's talking to you. If you go through the rivers, you shall not drown. He's talking to you. When you believe it's report over every other report in your life, God can get active in your life. When a situation demands a response, always let the Word of God be the response to any problem. There is power ready to work on your behalf. There are angels standing by ready to enforce your command of authority. You have divine protection if you walk in it. When you speak the word of God, angels go to work and demons have to flee. Heaven responds to the word of God. When the word is in your heart and in your mouth, it will release the power of God into the realm of influence all around you, from your workplace to your family to every area of your life. All right, go to 1 John chapter 4. thing I learned early on when I started getting in the Bible was to put my name in the Bible. You know, God so loved the world, he, say, he gave his only begotten son. Big deal. But when you put God so loved Tom, you know, it all changes. He gave his only begotten son. Now it means something. But the world, I can care about the world. I don't care if he did that or not. But when you make it personal, something happens in your life. All right, 1 John chapter 4. Look at verse 4. You are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is where? In the world. Now notice, according to the Bible, there's no comparison between the devil's power and the power that has been made available to the church. The power of darkness is weak. The power of darkness has been defeated. The power within the church is strong, and it is triumphant. Seems like most of the time the church has more fear of the devil than they do faith in the power that they have on the inside of them. 
When a situation demands supernatural results, the saints need the name of Jesus. If a person cannot make it happen in their own ability, they need the power of the name of Jesus. That name will answer any situation. It will redeem, redeem, redeem and remedy any problem that's in your life. There is power in the name of Jesus, yet many believers spend most of their time worrying and in fear and in doubt and unbelief. Even people who sit in church on Sunday, some of them aren't even listening to the sermon. Their minds wandering someplace else where they're worried about this or worried about that. All the time the answer they need is in the Word of God, but they are distracted by the problem. You can read this scripture, greater is he that is in me than the problem that I'm dealing with. All right, go to 2 Peter chapter 1. I was in a service one time and there was somebody who was, got up to prophesy in the middle of service and he said, you know, I see in the spirit, I see this dark cloud over this city. The dark cloud is over this city. It's a dark cloud over this city. And afterwards he came up and said something to me. What did you think? I said, well, I think the reason there's a dark cloud over the city because the Holy Ghost is in the city and he can't get in. And the person just looked at me like I was crazy, you know. But what, what are you going to see? I mean, you're going to see darkness. You're going to see the devil. You're going to see demons. Or are you going to see the power of God that's in your life and the Spirit of God who lives on the inside of you? It's up to you, whatever you see. Second Peter chapter 1, look at verse 3. According as His divine power has given unto me all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of Him that has called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises that by these promises you might become partakers of the divine nature having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. The word of God once again will answer any problem that you have. Here it says that God has given the believer all things that pertain to life and godliness. If that's true then the believer is basically at this time lacking what? Absolutely nothing. Once God gives you authority, once He gives you power, once He gives you the name of Jesus, God is basically done. He's given you everything you need to rise above every situation, every circumstance. You have the authority, the dominion, you have the name of Jesus, and you have the power of God on the inside of you. The question is not, is God going to do something? The question is, are you going to use what God has already given you? He has made these divine promises available to each and every person who will take Him at His word. The Word will go to work to give you greater levels of promotion, greater levels of influence, success, and even power in your life. This will happen if a believer is diligent in study and in meditation. When you spend time in the Word of God and meditating on the Word of God is like a seed that grows on the inside of you. Tonight you are lacking nothing. All you have to do is put your authority to work, put your power to work, use the name of Jesus, and you can remedy any situation that comes into your life. All right, go to Hebrews chapter 1. All right, Hebrews chapter 1, let's just start in verse 1. It says, God who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in times past unto the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power, 
when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of majesty on high, being made so much better than the angels, as he has an inheritance, obtained a more excellent name than they. For unto which of the angels said he at any time, Thou art my son, this day I have begotten thee. And again I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. And again, when he brings in the first begotten into the world, he said, and let all the angels of God do what? Worship him. Now, we know from the Bible that angels have names. Angel Gabriel, Angel Michael, one time Angel Lucifer, but he had a little problem and became Satan. Satan fell from heaven and he weakened the nations. Basically, he lost his position in the spirit. Satan now represents the highest authority in the kingdom of darkness. He's basically the boss and the ruler. Witches and warlocks and wizards will call upon the name of different spirits to draw power out of the kingdom of darkness realm. But the Christian here, it says, has a, been given a better name. Say a better name. They don't need to start with Angel Gabriel. You don't need to work up to Michael. You can go right to your inheritance, which is the name of Jesus that belongs to you. Jesus is the name that you were born into, the name you were given. He becomes your identity and the source of your inheritance. We will have a much better name and much better success if we understand that Jesus is the name. Notice in verse 6 it says, Let the angels of God worship him. Jesus was not born in the image of the angels, but came in the likeness and in the form of a man. He operated as a man anointed by the Holy Ghost. You've got to understand he came in the same image and likeness that you are right now if you're born again. Some people will say, well, this is my little angel. That's an insult because you are higher than the angels, basically. You are on the same level as Jesus himself. He came as the promised seed to redeem the children of the kingdom and bring them back into righteousness. Although he was God, he walked the earth as a man anointed by the Holy Ghost. God said, let all the angels of God worship him. You have been born of God. You have been born of God. You have inherited a more excellent name and a more excellent nature than the angels. His nature has now become your nature. As heirs of the kingdom, you have been born into privilege, into power, into influence, and into a heavenly inheritance that belongs to you. You on the inside have the same nature of God. Love, joy, peace, patience, all those things are already in you. As you agree with your nature on the inside, you'll be able to then operate in what you agree with, drawing what's in you out of you. Verse 3 says, Who being the brightness of the glory and the express image of his person. Notice, Jesus is the brightness of God's glory. He is the express image of God's person. If you want to know the will of God, if you want to know what the Father would do, all you have to do is watch what Jesus would do. Basically, Jesus is the yes and amen. He is the complete expression of God's will. If a person doesn't know God's will, it is pointless to use the name of Jesus because the name of Jesus basically is to enforce God's will here on the earth. So if you don't know that healing has been provided to use the name of Jesus on, I sure hope you heal me, God, will not do you very good. You need to know God's will in every situation. You need to know what Jesus would do in every situation. The name is reserved for kingdom citizens who know the will and are committed to enforcing God's will here on the earth. The Bible basically says, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. People come up to me all the time and say, You preach the kingdom of God, what is it like? Well, it's like the king. 
It's exactly. Jesus was the kingdom in sandals. Basically, he acted like the kingdom. He thought like the kingdom. He performed like the kingdom. He had the power of the kingdom. He had the authority of the kingdom. If you want to know what kingdom life is like, all you got to do is study the life of Jesus, and you're going to find out. When a devil comes, what did Jesus do? He cast him out. When he ran into somebody sick, what did he do? He healed the sick. When they came after him, he didn't fight back. He just walked among them and got away from them. That's what kingdom living is all about. Without that example of Jesus being here, it would be very hard to understand what it's like to be a kingdom citizen. But Jesus came and was our example so we know how to live. All right, go to Matthew chapter 16. You're getting plenty of opportunities to live the kingdom life away from worry and fear. That's for sure right now, if you're living right now. And there's going to be some other things that may come into your life and may come into everything else in the near future. Well, you just got to stay stable on the Word of God and in the kingdom of God. All right, Matthew 16, look at verse 19. Jesus says, And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever you shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Here he says he has given us the keys. What are the keys? The keys basically are the scriptures that we have the authority and power to manifest in our lives. The keys will open doors. They will close doors. So when sickness comes against your life, you have to boldly say no, and you have to lock the door. When you're having financial difficulties and you want to talk poverty and not enough money, you need to say, no, my needs are met according to his riches and glory. What are you doing? Locking the door. We have the keys of the kingdom, so we must lock the door. God will not lock the door for you. God never wanted mankind not to be useful at all. He didn't want to take over mankind's life. It's up to you whether you lock the doors of sickness and disease and all those things in your life or whether you allow those things to be in. It's not God's responsibility. The devil seeks to promote lies and misconceptions above God's will and desire. That is why it's vitally important for the saint to know the will of God. Notice if you don't know the will of God, how are you going to know? I mean, somebody walks up to you and says, well, you know, as I was taught for years, that poverty is next to godliness. Well, when I searched it out, I found out God wasn't that poor. And Jesus was doing pretty good himself. I never saw him come short. So what did I have to do? I had to change my mind. But I wasn't resisting poverty. According to everybody told me, the more poor I got, the closer to God I got. And no, the more worried about being poor, basically, and the further away I got about God. So basically, you need to know the will of God. Those who know the word and the will can discern any other word that they hear or what anybody speaks against them. The word of God is the guideline to enforcing God's will on the earth. How do you know if God said that? Well, it's in the word. How do you know that's what God meant? It's in the word. Know where it is in the word. Study the word so that other people, you can show them what God actually is like and what he wants to do even in their life. All right, go to Genesis chapter 2. All right, Genesis chapter 2, look at verse 16. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it, for in the day that thou eatest thereof, what will happen? 
Now we know that Adam disobeyed God. We know basically that he ate off the tree. God said he would die in the same day. But notice here, he did not die in the same day. That's proof to us that Adam is a spiritual being and you are a spiritual being. If you're only a natural being, Adam would have died. But basically he lived about 900 years in total. So notice something had to happen spiritually. You are a spirit. You have a soul, a mind, will, and emotions. And you live in this physical body that we see out here. So you are a spirit being. This account, once again, shows you more than you're just a body. He did not die physically that day. He died spiritually that day. Like all things, what happens in the spirit will eventually take place in the natural. Through sin and death, and basically was introduced into the earth when Adam sinned and he died spiritually. All right, just go to Romans 5. We'll look at that since it goes with this. Some people say, well, God killed mankind. No, he didn't. Adam chose death over life and ended up with the results of what he chose. All right, Romans chapter 5, look at verse 12. It says, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into this world, and death, physical and spiritual, by sin, and so death passed upon how many men? All men, for all have sinned. Now, when did all sin? All sin back in the garden when Adam sinned, because sin was lodged in his spirit. He was spiritually dead, and everyone he produced were born spiritually dead. Since that day, the lifespan of humanity has decreased from approximately 900 years to around 75 years. Death has been in operation for centuries. It entered the world by sin and subjected the planet to corruption. And it did not come by one God, it came by one man, Adam. Before sin infected the world, it first entered into Adam's spirit. From his spirit, it affected his body, and from his spirit to multiple generations, including every human that was ever born, because they came out of Adam. All right, go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. That's why Jesus says in John, you must be born again. Why? Because the first one wasn't very good. All right, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, let's go to verse 21. Talking about Jesus, For he has made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. God sent his son Jesus to pay the price that you could not pay. God's creation had to be redeemed, but it would require someone without sin to pay the penalty for sin. The only one who could possibly pay that penalty was Jesus. Every other man was born of man. It was not enough for Jesus to simply give his life. He needed to redeem man's spirit at the same time. Jesus needed to also die a spiritual death. He took upon himself our sin, our sickness, the curse, and all the judgment that we deserved and all humanity deserved. Christ paid the full price. The veil of the temple was torn from top to bottom, not bottom to top. Christ died spiritually, and the debt was paid in full. What happened to mankind? They now became the 
righteousness of God in Christ when they re-enter the kingdom of God. You've got to understand, when you understand your salvation, you'll understand a lot of the other benefits that you've got. Because what did you do to get saved? Nothing. It's not what you did, it's what he did. It's, what he did. it's the same way with everything else. You know, I, I heard somebody Sunday come up and they got prayed for and they said, I've been trying so hard to get healed, I've been trying so hard and I believe I got healed today and I believe I got healed. Quit trying, praise God. Notice, just like salvation was not dependent on you, it was dependent on and your healing is not dependent on you, it's dependent on, did he take your sufferings, did he take your sicknesses to the cross? He did. So all you got to do is receive what he did. It's not what, well, if I could just confess three more times, read a little bit more, jump up and down three times, get touched by the Holy, that's not it. It's a free one, do you see? Salvation free. Peace is free. It's already been given. I don't have to do anything. If you, if you keep him in mind, the Bible says you'll stay in perfect peace if you keep your mind on him. Well, everything that you get is not by what you do. It's by what he already did. That's why you can have a rank sinner who's not even living for God simply believe that Jesus healed him and get healed and everybody else is trying to be righteous and holy to get it and nobody gets it because it's not dependent on us. It's dependent on him. Did he provide it? Yes, then I'm healed. What if I don't feel like it? Don't make any difference. Some days I don't feel saved. But I'm saved. See, it was all provided for Jesus on the cross. He did the work. We're receiving the work. That's the thing, praise God. It's not us trying to do something, get something, make something. That's not the way it is, praise God. Jesus did it. Let him do it. I don't want to pay for my sins. Do you? I don't want to go to the cross. Do you? No, I don't even want to, praise God, to even try. But a lot of people are hanging on the cross for everything else. Trying to get it. It's not that way. It's been provided. The Bible refers to Jesus as the second Adam. What's the Bible say? Take two. Take one didn't work. What the first Adam had done, the second Adam reversed through the ultimate sacrifice on the cross. When Jesus resurrected from the dead, he gained something that Adam had lost thousands of years before. He restored to mankind righteousness, right standing, legal rights, and the dominion that he had lost years before. Look at verse 19. It says in the same vein, to wit, that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself and not imputing their trespasses unto them and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now notice, to wit, that God was in Christ reconciling the church unto himself. No, the world. The whole world has been reconciled unto, unto Jesus Christ. The whole world can enter the kingdom of God. I don't care how bad they are, how dumb they are, what they're doing right, what they're doing wrong. He has reconciled every single person. And now he's given us the ability to also do the same thing and tell people, yeah, you've been reconciled to God. It don't matter how bad you've been. Well, when I walk in church, if I ever do, the ceiling's going to fall in and the place is going to blow up. No, that's not it. It's not dependent once again on what they do. They have been reconciled and the entire world has been reconciled unto him. So basically, and what was the result of that? Uh, Corinthians 5, verse 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things have thank God, and all things have become, and all things are of God. So what did he do? He's a second Adam. He started a new race of being that never existed before. Everybody born of God came through Christ and out of Christ, and basically now it's a second generation, if you want to call it that, of humanity. Now there's people who are like Jesus, who have the power of Jesus. And since Jesus went back and he's the head, he's now given us authority to use his name in every situation because he is the head of the body. All right, go to Luke chapter 10.
Right, Luke chapter 10, look at verse 17. It says, And the seventy disciples returned again with joy, saying, Lord, even the devils are subject unto us through what? Through his name. Prior to the resurrection of Jesus, this was really the only occasion that Jesus' name was used by his disciples. Their success with the name was basically on credit. They were not born again. They were not spirit-filled. They did not really have the name of Jesus to use. Basically, salvation wasn't even available to them anymore. They were simply working off the authority of the presence and authority of Jesus being with them. In other words, since they were with Jesus, Jesus' authority worked for them. The 70 were operating off Jesus' earthly authority, which was limited. It was limited because they were not born again. They were not spirit-filled. It was based on whether Jesus sinned or not. How many know he didn't? It was limited in different areas. Jesus' authority was not based upon a defeated devil. The disciples at this time, the devil hadn't been defeated. Humanity hadn't been redeemed. But after his death, burial, and resurrection, Jesus said, All power and authority in heaven and earth is given to me. Go ye. How many know ye means me? See, he says, man, now you got it. Now the devil's defeated. Now it's, it's your authority. Now it's your power. Now the Holy Ghost is going to come live on the inside of you. The children of the kingdom have received the power of the name of Jesus and also the inheritance that goes with that name. That inheritance includes the mind of Christ. You have the power of Christ. You have the position of Christ. And you have the name of Christ. Your inheritance, among other things, has the mind of Christ. I have the power of Christ. I'm seated in the position of Christ, and I have the name of Christ to use. All that believe upon Him can receive His nature and His identity and live as the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. All right, go to 1 John chapter 4. It's a teaching that I did years ago. It was called Heavenly Perspective. Sometimes I need to bring that back maybe just because people don't know who they are and, and, and the power that they have and the seat that they have and the authority that they have. And It's one of the first series we ever did. It, it's a powerful thing to know who you are when you believe it, to know your position, to know the authority you've got, to know the ability that you've got. And one thing that does is eliminates fear in your life. You don't have to be afraid of something. If it's, a, if it's an ant crawling across the floor, you don't have to scream, holler, and call on God to strike it with lightning. You can simply walk over and stomp on the thing because you know you have power and you know you have authority. It's the same way with things out of the darkness. Things from the spirit of darkness are not that potent unless you make them that way. They're not that strong unless you believe they're that strong. But when you find out who you are and what Jesus gave you, then you'll have left fear and no problems whatsoever. All right, 1 John chapter 4. Look at verse 17. Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as He is, so are we in this world. Now, most of the church has taught that as He is, so are we when we die and go to heaven. But that's not what it says. It says, in this world. Jesus knew no sin, but He became sin. He knew no condemnation, but He became condemned. His victory, then, is your victory. His conquest is our conquest. His inheritance has become our inheritance. We were made joint heirs with Christ Jesus, not co-heirs, but joint heirs. The moment Jesus was begotten from the dead, he received a more excellent name. 
and he has given that name to every believer among men. Jesus gave that name to us. What does it contain? The name contains all the power and authority that Christ possessed and obtained. The name of Jesus that's been given to you contains all the power and all the authority that Christ possessed and has obtained. It puts us in this position. As he is, so are we in this world. Why did he do that? So that we could take his place and in his name enforce his will on the earth in his absence. All right, go to Philippians chapter 2. I mean, you're all going to get writer's cramp before this is over with. Okay, Philippians chapter 2, let's start in verse 9. Oh, let's back up to 8. And being found, talking about Jesus in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross, whereby God has highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow the things in heaven and the things in earth and the things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. Here it says God has not just exalted Jesus, but has highly exalted Him. He raised Him from the dead and gave Him a name that was higher than any other name. When Jesus sat down in heavenly places, He bestowed His name upon all that would call upon His name and get into the kingdom of God by being born again. That name now gives the church legal authority to enforce the dominion and the victory of Calvary. Whatever God provided, you can use your authority to receive it. It gives every believer the legal right to exercise the authority of Christ in the affairs of their life. There is power in the name of Jesus. When God highly exalted him, Jesus gave his body, the church, a legal right to enforce the word of God with the power of his name. It was not authority on credit, but rather it was authority that held the keys to death, to hell, and to the grave. Hallelujah. It was not authority on credit like the disciples had, but rather now it was authority that held the keys of death, hell, and the grave. Look at verse 8 again. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God has also highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every other name. Notice, if Jesus had not humbled himself and became obedient to death, God would not have highly exalted him. If he had not offered himself as a sacrifice for sin, he would not have received a name that is above every other name. He did not allow any region to remain untouched by the influence of his authority and his power. He took the keys of death, of hell, and the grave and established his authority in every single realm that there is. 
His authority basically has authority in every single realm that there is. Through the word of God, you will discover your jurisdiction. Through the power of that name, you can go straight to the throne of grace and obtain. You don't have to go through a saint. You don't have to go go through a dead loved one. You go straight to the throne of God because you're coming to him in the name of Jesus. Through the power of that name, you can go straight to the throne and obtain. Say obtain. Obtain. There's no limit to you. Your jurisdiction is limitless in your life. All right, verse 9 again. Wherefore God also has highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven, things in the earth, and things under the earth. Now notice the word there, should. Say should. Notice, every knee should bow. The key word in this is should. Every knee should bow. The only time a knee will not bow in the name of Jesus is when the name is used with no knowledge of what's behind it. In other words, if you think it's just a good luck charm and a rabbit's foot, and you're saying, in the name of Jesus, but you have no idea the power behind it, what Jesus did on the cross to deliver mankind, the authority that he has in every realm, that he has the keys of hell, death, and the grave, then the the name of Jesus will work for you in every situation. At the name of Jesus, sickness should bow. At the name of Jesus, poverty should bow. At the name of Jesus, confusion should bow. At the name of Jesus, fear and doubt and unbelief and lies and sin should bow in your life. You can use the name of Jesus to live free from sin. Trust me, if if you're being tempted to go out and drink and get drunk, it's hard to do that in the name of Jesus. Go to the bar and say, give me another one. I'm doing this in the name of Jesus. Thank you very much. You can't do it. Everything that you do is done in the name of Jesus. And when you find out that the power is behind that to do that, then in Jesus' name, I don't do that anymore. And the first thing I said, in Jesus' name, I don't get drunk anymore. I'm done with that. I've got power and authority over that. Well, well, you might have a stronghold there. Well, if I did, Jesus' name took care of it because I didn't have to go be delivered anywhere. I just said, that's it. I'm done with that. Praise God. Sin's the same way. The Bible says, sin shall not have dominion over you. But everybody says, well, we all got to sin sometime. Well, no, you don't. Not according to the word of God. If you use the power in the name of Jesus, you won't have to anymore. But if you think you need to sin now and then, then you will certainly sin now and then. Praise God. Your faith will worketh for you in those situations. Hallelujah. (laughs) At the name of Jesus, every onslaught of hell should bow. Every demon should bow. The mountain should move. The enemy should fail. The dream should come true and the promise should manifest in your life. Every knee should bow in the earth and under the earth. The name of Jesus is greater and more powerful than any other name in the universe. All right, go to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians 2, look at verse 5. Even when we were dead, now we were dead spiritually, weren't we? In sins, he has made us alive together with Christ. How was I saved? By grace. And he has also raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. 
I heard a song on the radio the other day. It was on Christian radio where they're talking about, and Jesus is seated in heavenly places alone. He holds the only place up there alone. He's up there alone. And I said, well, what about this verse right here? What about, and he has raised us up together and made us sit together with him in heavenly places. Don't let some Christian song talk you out of your inheritance. So through the conquest of death, hell, and the grave, Jesus has given you his name. Not only that, but he has seated you in a position with him in heavenly places. He has called you to rule and to reign in life to enforce his will and his word. Your authority will work and the name of Jesus will work as long as again once you know the will of God in every situation in your life. All right, let's see the authority work here once. Go to Mark chapter 11. Mark chapter 11. Let's look at verse 20. It says, And in the morning, as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. And Peter, calling to remembrance, said unto him, Master, behold, the fig tree which thou cursest is withered away. And Jesus answered and told them to have faith in God. All right, go back to verse 12. This is what happened before that. And on the morrow, when they would come out of Bethany, he was hungry. Seeing a fig tree afar off, having leaves, he came, if haply he might find anything thereon. And when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves. For the time of the figs was not yet. And Jesus answered and said unto it, No man eat fruit of thee hereafter and forever. And his disciples did what? Heard it. Notice, here's a situation where Jesus was hungry. He went to a fig tree, thought it had figs on it. He got there, didn't have figs on. And basically, he said something to the tree. You'll never produce fruit again. And here it says it did what it dried up from where? Dried up from the reed. Now notice, Jesus talked to what here? Talked to a tree, didn't he? I mean, you can get in trouble doing that. <laughs> Jesus talked to a fig tree because it wasn't producing. But why would he speak to that fig tree? I believe it's because... It says that he answered the tree. Say, answered the tree. The, the only reason why he cursed the tree, in my opinion, was because it was talking to him. Uh-huh. Have you ever had anything talk to you? Uh-huh. Situation talk to you? Yeah. Sitting there all by yourself and all at once, everything bad you're thinking about is coming out of everywhere and it's talking to you and everything else. Notice what he did. He answered. Say, he answered. He answered. he answered the fig tree. Basically, Jesus said, I'm sorry, fig tree, but I'm Lord of this situation. And basically, you're not going to dry up. With the, you're going to dry up from the roots. So whenever the devil attacks you when you know your position, it is an opportunity for a testimony. It is also an opportunity to demonstrate the power of the name of Jesus in your life. Whenever the devil attacks, whenever sickness attacks, whenever lack attacks, it's basically an opportunity for a testimony. We heard a couple testimonies here tonight, didn't we? That people were in a situation, they needed money for this or that, and guess what happened? They had a testimony tonight, praise God. They demonstrate the power of Jesus and the power of God. The one who has a revelation of the name will say, In the name of Jesus, and the circumstance will bow its knee. The saint will exercise their authority over all disobedience with the word of God. At the name of Jesus, every knee should or will bow. The one with understanding will say, Bow your knee to my life. I have another Lord, and you are not it. 
Now move out of my way. His word is the law in my life. The situation will have to obey the authority because power backs the name. And many times in your life you have to build this behind the name of Jesus. Like Becky talked about tonight, she was reading that scripture over and over and over. You know, the first couple of times you read it and you keep reading it, you think, what am I doing here? Well, you're continuing to plan on the inside of you so that the next time you know you read it, and God loves me, and then God loves me, and then God loves me, and then God loves me. You know, what happens? Revelation comes. It's the same way with the power and authority behind you. When you know that the devil's been defeated, and the devil's been defeated, and the devil's been defeated, come on, what does that show? Make my day. Come on, make my day. Why? Because I know you're defeated. I know I got authority. I know I got this situation. Jesus is the Lord of my life, and his name is far above. So the situation, any situation when you know the authority and power in the name of Jesus, will have to obey that authority and power and line up with the word of God. All right, back to Ephesians chapter 1. All right, Ephesians chapter 1, starting verse 17. Paul's saying a prayer for the Ephesians, says that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ who is the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of His calling, and what the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of His power to usward who believe, according to the working of His mighty power, which He wrought in Christ, when He raised Him from the dead, set him at his own right hand in heavenly places. He put him there far above all principality, all power, all might, all dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. And he has put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that fills all in him. Man, that scripture is a mouthful. Praise God. All right, look at, when, when I was growing up in the Word of God, I would read this. Verse 20, And what is the exceeding greatness of His power to us who to believe? It's according to the work of His mighty power, which He wrought in Christ when He raised Him from the dead, set Him in His own right hand in heavenly places. Jesus is there, far above all, principality, power, might, and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this world, and also in that is to come. Boy, that's good news. Jesus is far above. And then I'd read, And has put all things under His feet, and gave Him the head of all things of the church's body, full of Chapter 2. Because it didn't mean anything to me. I could see Jesus there, but I couldn't see me there. I mean, I couldn't see me far above all principality, power, might, and dominion. I'm glad Jesus was. So I spent most of my time praying for Jesus to do something from his seat. Come on, Jesus, you're seated up there. What are you doing up there? Sleeping? Do something in my life. It's falling apart in my life. But then when I found out it was switched and the, and the ability and authority and the responsibility was on me because it says he raised me up and put all things under what? And who are we? We're the feet. He is the head. We are the body. Now, how many know the Ephesians here were already born again? They were spirit-filled people. So Paul wasn't trying to get them spirit-filled or get them born again. He wasn't trying to get these things over to them. He was trying to get them to understand the power that they had and the position that they had and the name of Jesus that was given to them. He prayed for their eyes of their understanding to be opened, the riches of the glory of the inheritance that belongs to them. I'll tell you, uh, Kenny Copeland and Hagen, I think, pray this prayer every single day. 
Every single, they pray this prayer right here because that's what they wanted in their life. They wanted revelation in this area. Paul was praying that they would get a revelation of the greatness of Jesus' power in them and towards them. They were all born again. They already had the position, but they did not know what it meant to their everyday experience and their everyday walk. Instead of ruling and reigning in life, the circumstances were ruling and reigning them. This means that you can have the power, you can have the name, you can have the position, and still live in defeat your whole life. You can sit in the dark and refuse to turn on the switch, but if you turn on the switch, the light will come on and get you out of the dark. Your victory in life is dependent upon the revelation that you walk in. Your victory in every area of your life is dependent upon the revelation that you have in that area of your life. Your investment in the Word of God, therefore, is important. Here he says, That you may know the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints. Jesus came as a human. He defeated the devil. He died. He rose. He took the keys of hell, death, and the grave. We now have a new identity. He's given us a new nature. He's given all authority to us, all power to us. We have the Creator living on the inside of us. We have the Greater One living on the inside of us. We are raised and we are seated. And He's given us the name of Jesus to rule and to dominate every situation and circumstance contrary to His will. We are lacking nothing in the body of Christ except revelation of what He's already provided for us. He has put all things under His feet and gave Him to be head over all things to the church. All right, go to Hebrews 10. Now, why is this stuff important again? You know, we read some stuff out of the kingdom of God and we figure out why it's so important that this gospel must be preached into all the world. Why is that? Because Jesus isn't coming back till this gospel is preached into all the world. And so that's why the devil keeps that revelation from people. The devil tries to keep the revelation from people. Why does he do this? Why don't he want you to know that you're raised and seated? Why don't he want you to know you have power? Why don't he want you to know you have authority? We're right here in Hebrews 10, it tells you. Look at verse 12. But this man, talking about Jesus, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God from henceforth expecting, fervently expecting, fervently believing till his enemies be made his. And who's going to make his enemies his footstool? We are. Without a revelation of the power, the authority, and the name of Jesus, though, the church is never going to do it. So what's Jesus doing? He's sitting there. He's sitting there. Nobody understands that God's on the inside of him. Nobody understands the power that's on the inside of him. Nobody understands the authority that they got. So Jesus is sitting there. How many know he stood up one time? In Acts, what happened? Stephen, Stephen started talking about the power of God, that God doesn't live in a temple anymore, and God doesn't live in a box anymore, but God lives on the inside of people. And the Bible said that he looked up and he saw Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father. I could just see Jesus going, Preach it, Stephen. Praise God. Somebody's getting it. Preach it. And what happened? They stoned him. That pretty much put an end to that. Praise God. It wasn't a popular message, I don't think, back then. I don't know. Hallelujah. So you have authority tonight. It don't matter how long you've been a Christian or how little you've been a Christian. It doesn't matter how much you know. But the more revelation you get of who you are, the more power is going to be in the name of Jesus and the power of the Spirit of God that's on the inside of you. You never have to worry again. You never have to fear again. You never have to get, ugh, again. You never have to get angry again. 
when you understand who you are in Christ Jesus. So basically continue to study the Word, just get revelation out of the Word. Use the name of Jesus in everything. One, one scripture says in everything you should be using the name of Jesus. Well, you can't do anything wrong if you're doing all in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. All right. Praise God. the key.